Jordy Nelson was a great receiver. He was one of the best. The best you'd ever seen. If you go to playerprofiler.com, you see that Jordy Nelson posted a 23.5 production premium. That was number 10 in the league. Almost no player you could see could possibly post that kind of efficiency on such high volume. So many targets, so efficient. Jordan Nelson, 10.1 yards per target. Number 5 in the NFL. 2.17 fantasy points per target, top 10 in fantasy football. Jordan Nelson, you were a great receiver. Aaron Rodgers, he'll be missing you as well. Because Aaron Rodgers, his passer rating when targeting Jordy Nelson the last four seasons, 150.2, 130.3, 111.6, and 128.2. Aaron Rodgers, he'll miss you, buddy. We'll all miss you. Jordan Nelson, you were one of the best receivers in the National Football League. Green Bay fans, fantasy gamers, we'll miss you. And now we turn our attention to a Jeff Janis dance party! Yeah! Woo! Shake it! Shake it! Hip swivel! Hip swivel! All the hip swivel! Swiveling my hips! Like Jeff Janis, 97th percentile agility score! All day, X receiver. All the Jeff Janice, baby. Oh yeah. Own him in every league. We'll own him in future leagues. Past, present, future. Jeff Janice. Oh yeah. And shut the music down. No. What's wrong? What happened? Why? Why we why are we turn the music off? Oh no. Is that Ty Montgomery? <sighs> no, 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 no. I shouldn't be doing any dancing at all. No. Do not dance. Clown. Stay right there. Be a sad clown. Be a sad fantasy sports clown. You're not allowed to dance. This is not a time to celebrate the Jeff Janis, the pending ascension of Jeff Janis to heaven. No, no, no. You have to go to Roto World. You have to read the blurbs about, <laughs> the blurbs about Ty Montgomery. Yes, that's what I have to read. That's what I'm forced to read. I can't celebrate. No, 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 no. According to Roto World, 
Ty Montgomery was operating as the Packers' number three receiver in Tuesday's practice. Oh, that's a bummer. That's kind of a bummer, isn't it? What did, what did Roto World have to say about Jeff Janis? Oh, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, it suggests that second-year wide receiver Jeff Janis has been too inconsistent to take over as the Packers' number three receiver. Oh, Ty Montgomery's been playing with the first unit in practice, not Jeff Janis. To quote the buzzards who are inundating my mentions on Twitter, uh-oh, Mansion, uh-oh, uh-oh, Mansion, are you worried? Aw, oh, too bad, Mansion, your little man crush is in the practice squad. Aw, oh, Mansion, your little man crush is still practicing with the twos. Looks like Ty Montgomery's with the ones. You Failed, Fantasy Mansion. You're dumb. You thought you were so smart with your Janus pick and then Jordy Nelson tore his ACL. Rest in peace. But no, uh uh. It's actually Ty Montgomery. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Ha ha Shut up. Just shut up. God. Enough inundated with these reports from Packers camp. I can't even log into Twitter. I'm so inundated. Ty Montgomery lining up in three receiver sets. Congratulations. And, okay, and? I mean, get a life, you pathetic buzzards. You only exist to annoy me. Like, what else? Do you have anything else to do? There's a whole world out there. You could be doing anything else in this world except... Sending a tweet to me that is a link to a Roto World blurb with the additional commentary of, Uh oh, Mansion. It's annoying. Useless contribution. But if we go to the rankings on playerprofiler.com, you will see that we still have, despite the shocking revelation that Ty Montgomery got some snaps with the ones in practice, we still have Jeff Janis ranked ahead of Ty Montgomery. And here is why. And I talked about this on the Football Die Hard show. Want to make sure all of you know that I now have two shows. Here's the, here's the information about the shows that I'm doing. I'm doing two shows a week for Football Diehards. And you can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Libsyn. Look for Football Diehards and Matt Kelly. Do that search and subscribe to that show on whatever podcast device that you use. If you don't use a podcast app to listen to the show, you can visit footballdiehards.com, click on podcasts, and you can stream the podcast over the web that way. So those are the ways that you can listen to my show that I'm doing through Football Diehards. Though I am doing a show twice a week for Football Diehards, I am also doing a Roto Underworld radio show, Mind of Mansion, twice a week. So you have four shows a week. I'm here. I haven't gone anywhere. I was off the air for, on Roto Underworld Radio for two days. One day I was off. One day I was doing a football diehard show, and we had some listeners write in. You can contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter. Email the show, rotounderworld at gmail.com, asking, where are you? I was waiting for the Jeff Janis take for 48 hours. Where have you been? I was on football diehards, man. So that's how you find it. Enjoy. It's a very similar show to this show, except that's the show where I have guests on, and then I badger the guests. And on Monday's show, 
I talked at length about why I think Jeff Janis is the receiver to own in Green Bay based on his ADP, of course. He's the best value because Jeff Janis is the only receiver that has an ex-receiver profile left on the Green Bay Packers offense. Their receiving core has one ex-receiver in it. His name is Jeff Janis. And go listen to the Football Die Hard show, and you can hear my full 10-minute explanation as to why I believe that to be the case. Now, why specifically do I have Jeff Janis ranked ahead of Ty Montgomery? Well, here's why. It's the exact same reason that I have Jeff Janis ranked ahead of Devontae Adams. Fundamentally. Because Jeff Janis looks the part of the ex-receiver, and Devontae Adams doesn't. And it just so happens that Devontae Adams has a doppelganger in the league. He has a player that he looks exactly the same as. And his name is Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery also has a doppelganger in the NFL. A player that he looks exactly the same as. Ty Montgomery's doppelganger is Devontae Adams. In fact, I went back and, re- and went through the numbers again because we analyze our player comps and the similarity differences between comps. So some receivers have close comps on playerprofiler.com. Some players have distant comps. For example, a player like Alshon Jeffrey is fairly unique, as is Jeff Janis, by the way. So their player comps, there's a distance between them and their most comparable player. It's not a close comp. Other receivers have close comps on the site. Des Bryant to Allen Robinson, that is a close comparable. Their metrics line up. Eerily similar metrics alignment between Des Bryant and Allen Robinson. Size, college productivity, workout metrics, all scary similar. And it used to be the case that the most similar players on playerprofiler.com, the closest comps in our database, Des Bryant and Allen Robinson. I looked at the numbers again because I hadn't been considering receivers that were not fantasy relevant like Ty Montgomery. So I went back the last time I, I did the analysis. I wasn't looking at receivers that weren't fantasy relevant, like Ty Montgomery. So, I went back and looked at the full list again, and as it turns out, there is a new closest comp on the playerprofiler.com database. It is Ty Montgomery to Devontae Adams. That comparable is even closer than Allen Robinson to Des Bryant. And if you go to playerprofiler.com and you pull up Ty Montgomery in one tab, then pull up Devontae Adams in another tab, and then toggle back and forth between those two player pages, you will be shocked at how similar. They are the same player. They are the exact same player. One is like half an inch shorter, and the shorter guy ran a 40 time in one one hundredth of a second faster. That was the difference between the players. That was it. It was crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And you might say, Ty Montgomery's nothing like Devontae Adams. Yes, he is. Well, Ty Montgomery stunk his final year at Stanford. Okay, that's true. His final year at Stanford, his senior year, Ty Montgomery, missed a couple games with injury, posted 604 yards and three touchdowns. Highly inefficient, highly ineffective, highly unproductive. That equates to a 9.9 yards per reception. Just awful. He was bad. But the year before that at Stanford, Ty Montgomery 
Also 61 receptions, but 61 receptions for 958 yards and 10 touchdowns. Good for 15.7 yards per reception. That is an important year. We've talked about this with Joseph Randall. We've talked about this with Jameis Winston, Arian Foster. The most productive year in college is a window into a player's potential. That's why it's so important. It helps us measure his ceiling. What is he capable of? Not just what he does in any given year. What is he capable of? What is the peak of his achievement at the college level? That's a very important data point. And for Ty Montgomery, we believe his junior year was just as important as his senior year. That's why our college dominator rating on playerprofiler.com equally mixes the player's best year and their final year. So Ty Montgomery's college dominator rating is actually 31.0%, which was 48th percentile. It wasn't quite Devontae Adams' level. But then again, Ty Montgomery didn't play in the Mountain Whack either. So Ty Montgomery's teammates were a little bit better than Devontae Adams' teammates, other than the quarterback position, of course. So Ty Montgomery was competing for targets a little bit more strongly than Devontae Adams had to compete for targets at Fresno State. So that's some of the explanation. The bottom line, though, Devontae Adams is a better receiver, but it's close. Devontae Adams is slightly better because he was slightly more productive in college, and he's an inch taller, so he's a better receiver. He was also drafted one round earlier in the draft, so the NFL scouts agree. Scouts agree. The numbers agree. Devontae Adams is slightly better than Ty Montgomery, and that's why I'm not excited about Ty Montgomery because Ty Montgomery has a slot receiver profile at the NFL level just like Devontae Adams does. Now, Devontae Adams, I think, can also play, because he's so explosive, I think he can also play flanker. He's a little bit bigger. So I think he can play flanker successfully at the NFL level. I'm not sure about Ty Montgomery yet. But the bottom line is, it's very close. It's the closest comparable we have on the playerprofiler.com site. And so it's impossible to get excited about Ty Montgomery because he has no position. He's a king without a castle. He can't play the slot because that's the, the ideal position for Devontae Adams. He can't play flanker because that's, Randall Cobb is there. And Ty Montgomery, just like Devontae Adams, does not have the size or the speed to play the X receiver position at the NFL level. X receivers at the NFL level are always huge players. Kelvin Benjamin types. Or they're fast. Deshaun Jackson types. Or ideally, they're big and fast. Calvin Johnson Julio Jones types. They're never medium size and slow. That's not the X receiver at the NFL level. It never has been since the incarnation of the West Coast offense, and it never will be. So this idea that Ty Montgomery is the player that will be replacing Jordy Nelson at the X receiver is patently absurd. He's the last player on the roster other than Miles White that you would pick to play that position. It just doesn't make sense. Whereas Jeff Janis, as we've talked about in a number of shows, because he's 6'3", 220, runs a 4-4-2, was tremendously productive and efficient at the college level, he fits the profile of the prototype NFL X receiver. He has both the size and the speed. He is the ideal NFL X receiver. If we created a lab, a laboratory, 
And, create, and in that laboratory, we created the X receiver chamber. And we put all the ingredients in. We open the door. Smoke comes out. Vapor rises as we open the door. We have just created the ultimate X receiver. Out walks Jeff Janis, the prototype. That should be his nickname, the prototype. I made that up. I'm going to copyright that. Everyone, some buzzard, please submit that as a copyright to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Get that copywritten. The prototype, yes. And Ty Montgomery is also the prototype. He's the prototype slot receiver at the NFL level. But I don't want to hear about how Ty Montgomery failed at Stanford because he didn't fail at Stanford. That's not the reason to discount Ty Montgomery. That's not the reason to dismiss Ty Montgomery as a threat to Jeff Janis. Because again, in his junior year at Stanford, 958 yards and 10 touchdowns on 15.7 yards per reception. That alone, that season demonstrated that Ty Montgomery has what it takes to be a successful slot receiver in the NFL. That means he could go out and post 70 receptions for 800 yards and five touchdowns. That's the kind of receiver he could be in the NFL. And it would have been a great draft pick by Ted Thompson if they didn't already have Devontae Adams, the guy he's exactly the same as on the roster already. So it was a wasted pick. It was a redundant pick by Ted Thompson. But now they made the pick. They invested the third round draft capital. And they've decided, okay, we're going to, we have the guy, so we're going to have to play him. We're going to have to put him on the roster, put him in the lineup with the ones, see how he does. And I think that's what we're seeing. Fine. Fine. I think Ty Montgomery will be a productive NFL player, but he's not a threat to Jeff Janis. The one player on the Packers who should feel threatened every time Ty Montgomery makes a play in practice or makes a play in preseason is Devontae Adams, not Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis is the only player on the Packers roster with the skill set to play the NFL split-end exposition, period. Period, period, period. And he demonstrated that he can be excellent at the college level. Jeff Janis has demonstrated that he can be excellent at the professional level in preseason games against NFL defenders. Jeff Janis has... Three touchdowns on 15 preseason targets. He's good. He's good, everybody. He's good, folks. He is. He, he is. He's good. He's good. It's official. I'm announcing it on Roto Underworld Radio. Matt Kelly has said it. Therefore, it may or may not be true. Jeff Janis is excellent. Can play football. It's been decided. Now. How can you help support playerprofiler.com? We get this question a lot from the buzzards. Again, you can contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter or email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com. Here's how you support the show. Go to any player profiler page. Go to Jeff Janis. You can go to playerprofiler.com forward slash NFL forward slash Jeff forward slash. Can I speak? Did I, just have, did I just have a stroke? Let me try that again. I think I just had a stroke. I think I had a mild stroke, everyone www.playerprofiler.com forward slash NFL forward slash Jeff dash Janice. Visit that page. 
You'll be impressed. Click on Play Jeff Janis Now in Daily Fantasy. You should be playing Jeff Janis in any preseason Daily Fantasy lineups. If the Packers are playing that night, of course. Play Jeff Janis in Daily Fantasy. You can play on either DraftKings or FanDuel. We have partnerships with both on our site. And if you click that link, click the Play Jeff Janis link from playerprofiler.com, set up an account with DraftKings or with FanDuel, playerprofiler.com will receive a commission on every dollar you spend, and it will help support the show and the site. So that would be the number one way you can support the show. You can also go and click on the top section called Concierge. And you can submit a concierge form, pay $60, and we'll have a phone call where I do a private radio show for you, and I we talk strategy. And then throughout the season, I will provide you with personalized advice via text message. People are complaining now. Oh, they're complaining because they're asking me these tedious questions about their fantasy teams. Should I trade X for Y? Who do you like better in the third round? Player X or player Y? What do I look like to you? I'm just out here giving free advice. This has no value. Your question isn't sparking a conversation about players that I find interesting. You're just asking me for advice. You're just imposing on me. So no, I'm not going to answer your tedious question. It's a waste of my time. There's other things I can be doing to help a broader audience not just answer one-off questions. No, I'm not going to do that. But I'm happy to do it if you pay $60. Absolutely. My time is worth money. You should pay for it. And if you don't think you'll have a lot of questions, that's okay. Because you can just submit the $60 and that will help support the show and help support playerprofiler.com. So that's another avenue to do that. A third thing, we have some college students that say, hey, I don't have any money. I don't play daily, but I, I want to be part of Roto Underworld. How do I do that? You can write an article. So at the top of the site, click on articles. There's a whole section. Every day, we're posting new in-depth articles that leverage the advanced metrics on playerprofiler.com. The latest article by at R.I. Patriot. You should go follow him. He's an excellent follow on Twitter. He knows his stuff. He wrote an article about why Keenan Allen is overrated. And I agree. Of course. I agree with all the articles on the site. Unless I don't. Well, actually, you can write an article on anything you want. You're just not allowed to write any articles that besmirch Jeff Janis. That's the only rule. That's the only caveat. Write whatever you want. Any opinion. I don't need to agree with it. That was, I was being facetious. But there is only one rule about writing an article. You cannot criticize... Jeff Janis, because the Green Bay beat reporters are already doing a bang-up job on that front. We don't need any additional criticism of Jeff Janis. Oh, no, we're, we're, we're fine there. We're good. We have, we, 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 we have enough. Finally, we've just decided to launch. This is with the help of a listener. So I'll, I'll be giving him credit in a future show specifically. But he convinced me to start another Roto Underworld Dynasty League. So we will have a Dynasty startup draft the day before the season starts, two weeks from now. So contact the show again. 
rotounderworld at gmail.com or at rotounderworld on Twitter if you're interested in joining our Dynasty League. We'd love to have you. It's for listeners only. I'm not going to post this on Twitter. I'm only going to talk about this on the show. Now, last week, we discussed Jeff Janis together with Devontae Parker. Remember that show, right? Both players have been labeled as raw without any actual data to back it up. Just anecdotal guesswork. And, and I lamented that. And then a buzzard wrote in, you're not worried about Devontae Parker's foot? Have you ever heard of a guy named Aaron Dobson? Yes, I've heard of Aaron Dobson. And I think we worry too much about the healing process from injuries. My view is that if a player plays, he plays. If he doesn't play, he doesn't play. I don't analyze what degree the player was injured or not. All I can do is measure if he played or not. That's the only thing that I have true, actual evidence of. He played or not. That's it. That's all we can look at. I don't discount a player's performance, his efficiency, his productivity, because the beat reporter said he was playing through an injury. Okay. Also, lower leg injuries and foot injuries in particular have been revolutionized. Is anyone talking about Julio Jones's foot anymore? No, they're not. Why? Because we are living in a post-Sam Bowie world. Sam Bowie proved that you're better off going with the invasive procedure, the extra surgery, and fortifying the bone, fortifying the fracture point with hardware, screws, plates. But in Sam Bowie's time, 30 years ago, that was seen as radical, almost experimental. But now it's just common practice. And that's what Devontae Parker had done. They went in and did a revision to his foot, fortifying the hardware. That's common practice. That's what they do nowadays. That's to prevent an injury down the road. You should have been happy that Devontae Parker went in for that surgery. Because Sam Bowie did not. Sam Bowie was told to just let it heal. And he lost four years of his career while the medical profession used him essentially as a test subject. Especially when you think about sports medicine. He was actually the largest guinea pig in the history of the earth. If you think about how big Sam Bowie was. He was the biggest guinea pig ever. And we assume with Aaron Dobson that it was the foot injury last year that kept him sidelined. But he was active for games last year. He just didn't see the field, at least not much. And the Patriots are not known for coddling players because they want them to have as much time as possible to heal and come back from injuries the right way. Just ask Rob Gronkowski how much the Patriots coddle their injured players. So I don't think that was happening with Aaron Dobson last year. He was active and just didn't play because he was ineffective. I think that's the reason. And overthinking it, and, and trying to understand the x-rays of Aaron Dobson's foot is a waste of time. The minutia that we focus on related to NFL injuries amazes me. I marvel at how much we focus on player health. From Andre Ellington, now to LaShawn McCoy, his hamstring, now to Devontae Parker, his foot. This obsession with the idea that we can know a player's health status is mind-boggling because we can't know. We can't know how much healing has occurred. We can't know 
the exact percentage of health a player is at at this moment. Is he 100% healthy? Is he 90% healthy? Is he 88.7% healthy? We don't know. All we can know is, is he playing or not? Active or inactive? That's it. It's a binary event. Active or inactive? That's all I measure. Because we can't know the degree of injured, the degree of hurt that a player is experiencing, the degree of pain that is inhibiting his performance, we can't know because oftentimes the players themselves don't know and their doctors don't know the precise nature and the extent of an injury. Jason Pierre-Paul! The Giants don't even know how many fingers he has! Think about that! Equipment trainers for the Giants are buying gloves and they don't know if they need to custom order a pair that has less fingers or the right number of fingers. Five, four, three, I don't know. They don't know. And we can go ahead and stop trying to guess because it's a waste of time. Because injury information travels through this prism from an MRI, which isn't always conclusive, to the doctor through his prism, his perception, to the player who then passes on the information that he heard from the doctor to the team. So the doctor is passing on his diagnosis, in other words, his best guess. And then multiple parties are playing telephone by the time the report about the injury and the extent of the injury and the exact nature of the injury actually gets to the media and we can all consume it as sports fans and fantasy gamers. And you wonder why Kevin White's minor shin splint became a stress fracture overnight. That's how. Now he has a rod inserted and he's out for the year. And I'm not surprised at all by this. Because this happens all the time with injury reporting. It's why sportsinjurypredictor.com has become a thing that everyone's talking about. It's why every big fantasy site now has an MD writer on staff. It's nuts. We on playerprofiler.com have a medical history report. Because that's what people want. But I'll admit... I don't factor in past injuries very much at all unless we know a player is going to be missing games in the future with an injury like with Arian Foster, then whatever injuries he's been reported to be playing through, I do not factor into my rankings and my projections. And even with Arian Foster, his injury is currently being overstated. He could be back after four weeks. And the procedure he had wasn't to reattach the ligament to the bone. No, that, that was inaccurate. His procedure was either a hernia procedure or something close to it that will permanently fix the groin issues he was experiencing over the last couple years. And Foster may actually be less injury-prone post-surgery. Think about that. But his sixth round ADP, his ADP has just collapsed in the wake of this injury news. And based on his ADP, fantasy gamers clearly think that he will never return to 100% health for the entire 2015 season. And I don't know why they're assuming that. If Le'Veon Bell is still a top pick in the first round, even while missing two games... Why can't Arian Foster be a worthy fourth-round pick after missing four games? Because Arian Foster, like Le'Veon Bell, 
was a top five fantasy running back in 2014. So why wouldn't you treat them similarly when you're evaluating a player based on how many games he is scheduled to miss? But no, 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 no. If it's an injury instead of a suspension, oh, it's the dark cloud hovers over Arian Foster. He probably won't be 100%. Oh, that's a reminder that he's injury prone. Knock him way down the rankings, everybody. Injury reports are a classic noisy data point. And injury news, I've found, is more often a red herring than a valid signal of future performance. It's like a siren song tempting us to overanalyze. That's what the injury reports are. It's the same thing with these news reports from training camp. Here's the latest on Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis has been too inconsistent to take over as the Packers' third receiver. That's what we said at the beginning of the show. Remember that? Oh, my. Oh, my. I had him in the first 10 rounds. I was drafting him in round 8, 9, and 10, depending on the format. But now, based on that news, got to push him to the final rounds of the draft again. Ah, just swinging back and forth with every report from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Yes. It's unbelievable. Where was this inconsistency that Jeff Janis was demonstrating during the preseason when he was scoring touchdowns? Three touchdowns on 15 targets, as I said before. That's better than what Martavis Bryant did in 2014. Martavis Bryant led the league in 2014 in TDs per target. Jeff Janis' preseason against NFL defenders thus far has been better than that. And by the way, isn't it a fact that Marcus Whedon is ahead of Martavis Bryant on the Pittsburgh Steelers' depth chart? Marcus Whedon is not moving ahead of Martavis Bryant on anyone's draft board. But the news came out that Marcus Whedon is ahead of Martavis Bryant on the depth chart. And what? And nothing. And no ADP movement. Shoulder shrug. Oh, but Jeff Janis has been too inconsistent. Oh, ADP collapse. On Monday's show, I talked about Monday's show, Football Diehard Show, I did on Monday. I had on John Paulson from 4 for 4. He's the number one expert on fantasy pros the last five years in terms of weekly rankings. And I wanted to have him on. He also follows the Packers closely. It's his favorite team. And I wanted to talk to him about Devontae Adams and Ty Montgomery and Jeff Janis and talk to him about how he projects New players, players that don't have NFL experience, how does he project season-long fantasy points for those players? And he said he does not look at the player's college production or athleticism when he's projecting fantasy points for the full season. He said that he only bases his target projections for the player on the team's depth chart and what the team is saying during training camp, who the team is stating are their starters. That's all he goes by. And I don't agree with that approach. As If you've been listening to this show for any length of time, I believe college production matters, and I believe athleticism matters. And I don't simply take the word of NFL beat reporters and NFL coaches as gospel, as the truth. Because we all know NFL coaches are also known as professional liars. And the sports media complex is filled with buffoons. 
So I don't agree with John Paulson's methodology for ranking incoming rookies and players without NFL experience. But he's consistent on the show. If you listen to Monday's show, it certainly sounded rational, reasonable, except in the case of Martavis Bryant. While the Steelers are publicly insisting that Marcus Whedon is the starter opposite Antonio Brown, John Paulson has Martavis Bryant ranked as the number 17 wide receiver in his seasonal rankings, and Marcus Whedon ranked at number 57. So he always goes by the training camp reports and the team's public depth chart, except in this case. Except in this case. And it never occurred to me. You might say, well, why didn't you, uh, why didn't you bust him on that during your show? For a couple reasons. Number one, I don't do argument radio. You might notice if you listen to shows where I've had guests on, I'm not here to argue. This isn't first take. I can't stand argument radio. There are plenty of shows out there where you have two guys arguing and trying to one-up each other, having a debate, on-air debate. Ugh. That's just my, these are my sensibilities, but it's my show. My show has my sensibilities. And I don't want to hear people debate. And I'm not here to play gotcha, unless it's Jack Delaney, the author of Zero RB Theory, a book which did not reference Sean Siegel's work on Rotoviz at all. Okay, in that case, we will play gotcha. In that case, I will debate the individual. But I'm not going to debate John Paulson. I'm not going to debate Evan Silva. We're just going to talk football and have fun. It's going to be a fun show. And I think Monday's show was a fun show. But it also never occurred to me to think about his rankings as it relates to the Steelers. But that's why we have the buzzards. That's why you all are so important to the show. Because Lamar Kramer, a buzzard I'd never heard from before, swooped down from the sky and dropped a note in my hand. With John Paulson's rankings of Martavis Bryant versus Marcus Whedon and the corresponding news reports from training camp, it was amazing. It's like the Hunger Games. This show is like the Hunger Games in that way. And I... I'm not going to swear. I wanted... That was the moment, everybody. I just edited myself. I had... The F word was ready to go. It was locked and loaded. The F word was in the chamber. The hammer was back and cocked. Oh, hell with it. I fucking love this audience! Thank you, Lamar. Fucking love you guys. You're the best.